This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. That even, what, a week after the Knicks season is is done, people are still calling out for Evan Fournier. And it almost makes me um, kind of tie into the Met fans saying, you know what, let's bring up Gary Sanchez. I, I want to see Gary Sanchez. It's like Gary Sanchez has been along away a long enough period of time that people forgot how bad Gary Sanchez was. Evan Fournier was on the bench for so long that people forgot how bad Evan Fournier was. But let's turn our attention to the Knicks because uh, the Knicks are still first and foremost in, in our hearts and with the NBA playoffs rolling on and the heat now up two games to none. And I kind of posed this question on Twitter last night. The fact that the heat are up two games to none on the Celtics. Does that make Nick fans feel better about losing the series to the Heat, or does it make you feel worse? Does it make you feel better because, look, you lost the series, but at least you see that the Heat are a, a live team, right? They're, 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 they're halfway home to, to going to the NBA Finals, and there's, a, there's the idea that that would make you feel better, right? You, you, maybe you lost the best team. Maybe the Heat are going to win the whole thing. Who knows? Does it make you feel better that not, not only did you lose to a team that was better than you, but they might be better than everybody else as well? There's, there's, a, there's an aspect of that. Or do you go the other way? Because there was a path forward. Now, I'm not saying they would have won the series, but there was certainly a path to a Game 7. And there's a possibility that the Heat make short work of the Celtics, right? They've won the first two games and did so on the road. If Miami wins the series in, in a sweep or in five how could you not? I think I'd probably fall into the second category, though, because there's no... Here's the thing. We say this, Larry and I say this all the time after any season ends. It's not just the pain of getting eliminated, your team getting eliminated. It's the realization of how much has to go right the following year just to get back to the same spot. So the fact that there's, it seemed like a lot of Nick fans were, well, this shows that we're not that far away. Well, you weren't that far away this year, but that doesn't guarantee you anything for next year. Maybe next year the Bucs are a whole lot better. Whoever the number one seed is next year is a whole lot better. Maybe the Bucs go out and hire a better coach or, or, or add better role players, and they are the team that won the title a couple of years ago. And that, that road is, is closed off. The number one seed is not getting knocked out in the first round. Maybe next year, even if you make improvements, maybe you don't get the same level of Julius Randle during the regular season if he's still here. We've certainly, the, the thing about Randle, while he's had two really good seasons, he's also had two really bad seasons with the Knicks. He's never been able to put it back to back. So just the fact that, yeah, the Heat are up in the series, to me, it's kind of a negative because it was there for you. At least the game seven was there for you. You could certainly have advanced to a game seven, and then the game seven, who knows what happens. And the fact that the Heat have been able to dispose of the, the Celtics the way they have here in the first two games kind of makes me feel a little sick, you know? Like a couple of years ago after that loss to the Hawks, it was like, hey, we're the fourth seed, nothing but onward and upward. <laughs> yeah, it didn't turn out that way. So I'm interested. And look, I am a Nick fan, but in fairness, I'm not going to lie to you, the Knicks are my third team. Yankees and Dolphins are, are always fighting for one, two, and then the Knicks are, are always going to be third. Uh, maybe if the Knicks c- contend for a championship, I'll be more engaged in it. But I'm never going to be the diehard Nick fan that so many Nick fans are. And and look, there are no, there really are no casual Nick fans. You have to be a little, um, you have to be a little bit diehard to to root for that organization as as much as, as certainly 
a lot of you do. So that was the one question I had. Does it make you feel better or worse watching what the Heat have been able to do? And then the other thing is we've gotten into the Knicks offseason, and it's clear that we're into the Knicks offseason because already the names are coming fast and furious. And this is already turning out to be the summer of Leon. Leon Rose, is, this is going to be his most difficult offseason uh, as, as, uh, for running the Knicks, and almost by default, right? Because year one, they just got here. They hired the coach. After year one, and you, the fourth seed and the, the ouster in the first round, the, the clear sign was, well, they just have to get more talent. They're, they're, just, they're just not as talented as they need to be to compete in a playoff series. And after year one, they uh, supplemented the talent by going out and getting Kemba Walker and signing Evan Fournier. So that did not, that did not go well. This offseason has to be better than that offseason by far. And then after year two and the disappointment of not even sniffing the play-in, they went out and signed Jalen Brunson, which was brilliant and fantastic. But let's be honest, I mean, Leon Rose is practically a member of the Brunson family, or the, or the Brunson family is part of Leon's. I mean, he's like his godfather. He's almost related to him. So if you weren't able to get that guy to sign with you, that would have looked pretty bad. So this is where it gets tricky for the Knicks. They've gone from a laughingstock organization being real bad, being an afterthought, and being a punchline, to being a good team, to getting to the second round of the playoffs, to winning a playoff series for the first time in a decade. And now you got to find the superstar that you want to pair with Jalen Brunson. And the, the names are always pop up. Nick fans know this. It doesn't matter if the team's good, bad, or indifferent. There's always going to be names floated out there that the Knicks are going to have interest if they become a free agent, if they become disgruntled where they are. But now that they've had some actual level of success and it seems like they are building a foundation of success here as an organization, those names are going to be far more, I guess, realistic because you would think people would be more likely to come here because they finally have kind of found their way out of the wilderness. So a couple of names that have already popped up and interested to hear from Nick fans, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Uh, we've gotten a fresh round of Carl Anthony Towns. Feels like every, it feels like every like 16 or 18 months or so, Carl Anthony Towns' name gets brought. It's not, certainly not the first time that you've heard the Carl Anthony Towns' name. Uh, and, and we kind of touched on this. I think this was Monday we touched on it. To me, that's not the move you make. That, that's, not, that's a big move in terms of what you would have to give up. But in terms of the level of improvement, it doesn't match what the type of movie it is, move it is. He has like one of the worst contracts going. And even if you were able to put Randall in that deal for Towns, I don't know how much, I don't think that that necessarily takes you to the next level. Uh, and so I don't see that as being a realistic move. It's been one that's been mentioned before. Would I rather have Carl Anthony Towns than Julius Randall? I guess. I think he's a better player. He's a younger player, but he's also making twice as much as Julius Randall. So I don't think that that's a, that's a move that the Knicks are going to pursue, even despite the amount of times you've heard Carl Anthony Towns of the Knicks and, and the relationship with Leon Rose and all that type of stuff. So I don't think that that would be one that I would be interested in. And then this week, a new one kind of popped up. And I don't think, I, I, out of all the names that get mentioned with the Knicks time and time again, I don't think that this is one that's popped up before, and for good reason, because he's not, he has not been available before. And that would be Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid, there's been some some rumors out there that um, that he might be he's a guy that the Knicks are have been looking at, which kind of makes it me hard. I, I find it hard to believe that that's a guy that the Knicks were realistically looking at when 
He was the MVP of the league this year. The Knicks thought that they were going to be able to get the MVP of the league after the season. Uh, now, the reason they might be able to is because it kind of seems like the Sixers are screwed. Whether they realize it or not, they're kind of screwed. The process, for all the talk of trust the process, it's clear at this point, if it wasn't already clear, the process was a failure. It looks like James Harden is leaving, which is almost as bad a news as, as James Harden staying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which one would be worse for the long-term uh, prospects of the 76ers organization. James Harden leaving and going back to Houston or James Harden staying right where he is and getting a monster contract for the next five years. It, there's two paths forward for the Sixers. Uh, is it, it, are they going to revamp around Embiid or is it time to blow it up? I don't think that they're going to blow it up. They're trying to get a new arena down there. You don't do that by completely gutting the roster and rebuilding. Uh, Daryl Morey, I don't think, is a guy who's going to go, go down that road. But just in the, just in the hypothetical, just in the, uh, in the possibility of names that are out there, is that the guy that the Knicks should go after? If, if, if Joel Embiid, and really the only way that this makes any sense, is if Joel Embiid says, look, I gave it a run here, it didn't work, I want out, and I want to go to the Knicks. All of those things kind of have to be checked along the way. Because if it's just like the first couple, like he, he's saying, I don't want to be here anymore and I want to be traded, and he doesn't include, I only want to go to the Knicks, well, I think that there's teams out there that A, could put together better proposals together for Joel Embiid, and B, would make more sense for the seven. Like, why would the 76ers trade the reigning MVP within the Eastern Conference? You'd send them probably out West. Certainly, if, if, the, if the deals are equal, that would be the... the, the, the the finger on the scale, so to speak, to, to send him someplace else. You're not going to send him to the Knicks and watch him blossom. Now, he is a former client of Leon Rose. He's got that CAA connection. He certainly would be a superstar to pair with Jalen Brunson. But even in the hypothetical, I think there's zero chance that the Sixers are dealing that guy. I think that there's zero chance that the Sixers are dealing that guy to a division rival. As I said, Daryl Morey is not about rebuilding. And more so than anything like that, like let, let's take all of that out of the equation. That's not the guy that I think the Knicks should be targeting. Joel Embiid is constantly injured. Constantly injured. He, he's missed regular season games. He's missed postseason games. He's a big man that just turned 29. And even if he did say, I want out, I want traded, I want to go to the Knicks, you're still going to have to give up like whatever bag the Knicks have acquired here between draft picks and players and all these different assets, that's the guy you're going to have to completely empty the bag for. And it's almost like house shopping, right? Like we have to find the right house. We have to find the right one that we want to build with. And to me, Joel Embiid, that one, um, that's not the one that I'm going, I'm not standing on the table and banging on the table with my foot that this is the move that we have to make. Even as great a season as he's had, even as much of an impact as he might make, when, when these kind of superstars become available, you have to give up kind of every. I mean, look what Rudy Gobert got. Look what Kevin Durant got. And he said he wanted to go to the Suns, and still they had to give up a whole lot more than they probably wanted to. So if, if you're thinking, well, you know what, Embiid, that would change everything, what would the deal be? You have to keep adding things to the deal to make yourself uncomfortable with the deal. 
And that's probably what the deal would look like. So there's been plenty of names mentioned. I'm sure that there's going to be plenty of uh, other names mentioned because this is going to be the only question with the Knicks this offseason is, who is the superstar? We've been waiting for a year. The Knicks got to get a superstar. They got to get a superstar. And now they got Jalen Brunson, and that's fantastic. But that doesn't stop the, the, the conversation. Not when you've had the success that the Knicks had this year. Not when you have the pieces that the Knicks have been able to acquire. And not when you have a GM who was a former agent. That was always going to be the question with Leon Rose. Who is the superstar he is going to be able to land? And when you're going superstar shopping, there is no discount rack. There is no clearance section for superstars. You're going to have to pay a heavy price for any of these guys. So if you like Embiid, if you like Carl Anthony Towns, if you like Damian Lillard, just realize it's going to cost you a lot. A whole lot more probably than you think it's going to cost. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get some phone calls in here. Let's go to uh, Derek in the car. Derek, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Derek. Okay, so I'm, I'm more of the realistic Nick fan. Okay. okay. I'm I didn't know those guys existed, fan. but okay, let's give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of a basketball fan first than anything else. And, and here's where I think people, you know, they, they – we, we starve so much for winning here that we just want to do something right away. So we make it to the second playoffs, uh, second round of the playoffs, and now, now we got to shoot for, for a championship, right? And, and I feel like this is our process. You know, the guys that we have, we have good, good guys, solid guys, and yes, I feel like as long as we keep winning and playing solid basketball, reaching to the second round, when people free up, they would want to come here rather than giving up so much good pieces to get one person and now we lose those pieces and then we never get back and that's what happened with the mellow issue you know it happens to so many teams where you lose so much and you never get it back you know what i mean this core is 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 decent and and the knicks overachieved this year they really did you know no one would have thought we would have been the fifth seed and gone to the second round to me i think Coaching would have been a little bit different, and, and then the rotation could have got Derrick Rose maybe playing the five, last five games of the year to get him back in shape. Would have been a nice relief off of Brunson, kept keeping him a little bit more fresh, keeping guys away from injuries. It, it would have been a different outlook. So, again, I think we should trust this process with this bunch, and hopefully maybe we can get a steal from someone who's a free agent when the time is up. All right, Derek. Well, look, I, I like your approach, and thanks for the phone call. And I do think that the fact that the Knicks had the success that they had this year, that there's the possibility that their mindset is, hey, look, it's less likely we're going to go all in on somebody because we've just kind of given ourselves a little bit more room to operate. There's not such pressure to have results right away. But as you also said, they overachieved this year. Things, things broke right uh, a lot. Uh, and you're right. I don't know that many people would have expected the five seed and a first round playoff win and all those things. And those things can go, not all those things going right next year means that it could look a whole lot more like two years ago when they didn't even sniff the play in. So um, it's it's a difficult, as I said, this is where it gets a little tricky for Leon Rose. This is the, the easy part is to go from where the Knicks were to where they are. Each step up the ladder is going to become more and more difficult. And when you talk about a superstar and adding a superstar, finding the right deal, there's not going to be a perfect deal. At some point, 
you are going to give up a boatload to land that superstar. But you're right. It has to be the right superstar. And whether or not that presents itself this offseason remains to be seen. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, more your phone calls as we take you up until 6 o'clock. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. I mean, I'm sure there will be some change. There's change every offseason. I'm sure the Knicks will, will make some moves here before too long. But you could argue that the fact that they had the success they had this year now kind of removes some pressure from them to force their hand and, and to force a big move if they had had a disappointment. If they had had a year this year like they had last year, there would have been far more pressure for them to go out and do something big, to go all in on a player or players, where that, that pressure I don't think – uh, exists now. And, and despite all the talk about Randall and, and having a move, I don't think that he's going anywhere. I, I think that if the Knicks do end up adding a, a superstar, whoever that person is, I don't think Randall's going to be part of that deal. I think that other teams would want other things, most notably all of the draft picks. That I think that that would be the first thing. All the picks that the Knicks have acquired here over the last uh, couple of years, all of those would probably be uh, part of the Knicks first and foremost. Then you start adding players to the mix. But I don't know that that necessarily means that the Knicks are going to be all in this year. But whatever the changes are, it is going to be a very busy offseason of talk. It's almost like we're going to switch from, from Jets Aaron Rodgers talk right to Knicks and this superstar or that superstar. We were, the the offseason hasn't even really even begun yet. We've already got three names on the list. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Spike is in St. Pete. Spike, what's going on, pal? I got so much on my mind, so I'm going to be really fast. First of all, every time I know you're on, it brings a big smile to my face. I, I hope you appreciate that. So here we go. <laughs> I, I wanted to say one baseball thing, then I'll get to the next. You make me laugh so much. Why doesn't baseball in each stadium, now I'm being serious, have two people, they trot out when, there's a, you know, when they're looking at the hand, and they come out on a golf cart and they have a portable sink, and two guys that say, uh, hand checkers and right. they're appointed by the league and then they put their hand on this pad and it shows up on the diamond board there and it gives a number and they have a range too sticky, not sticky enough and the crowd reacts. Of course I'm, I'm being a wise ass, but that's how ridiculous it was like when they first started checking with the uh, instant replay and you see Joe West waddle in from second base and they had 1975 Koss headphones and a big leather bag. I mean, if they tried harder, they couldn't do it wrong. It's an embarrassment, and that's really attracting new fans. So I got that off my chest. And I'm happy the Yankees, and I'm happy for the Mets. They're both winning. They're intriguing until the next incident happens. I don't even want to look seriously at baseball because I know it's on every night until before the trade deadline. So it's been a good week. Now for the Knicks. I've heard deals. You're right on Randall. And I talked to a lot of people, as you know, about basketball. A lot. You're absolutely right. Nobody wants Randall. Gordon. No, nobody's calling the next saying, "Hey, we want yeah. Rand." No, absolutely. And if you and if they, well, if he is part of a deal, it would be I would think you're bringing back an asset that they want to get rid of as badly as as you know Nick fans would want to get rid of Randall. You're bringing back the worst contract in the history of the league. 
that's what you're getting. But I did hear something that's intriguing from, from the guy that you replaced. And he said Phoenix uh, had a restrictive free agent with DeAndre Ayton, and they, uh, Milwaukee, I think, offered him something, or Indiana, and they had a match, and he played under duress. The problem with Jalen Brunson, aside from, you know, being Tom Hanks and getting no helpy and lonely in the last game, they, someone told me they had three assists. I said, they had three assists? No one made any shots. I said, he didn't get any assists. They swarmed over him. So he needs shot makers, and he needs someone to run a pick and roll. If you think about every basket you watched all season long, and you and I and Larry and everybody else talked about it, there were no pick and rolls. You package Mitchell Robinson, you package a lot of draft picks, one or two other contracts to get rid of, and you can pick up uh, DeAndre Ayton, who's a great pick-and-roll uh, finisher, like the kid on Atlanta was with Trey Young, uh, Clint Capella, always finished well. Remember how many dunks he had on us? And you can get Landry Shamit, who's a dead-eye wing shooter. You see, that's the problem. The Knicks had no shot makers. They had plenty of shot takers. They, and Brunson gave him the ball right on the tee. You know, he put the ball right there. He would have had 10, 12 assists a game. So shot makers... Guys who can play the pick and roll and finish because Mitchell Robinson was four on five. Every time he got on there, you were playing yeah. four on five on offense, right? Yep, no question. No question. All right, anyway, so listen, that's what I think they'll do. I think they've had a very compelling season. We were in every game, and Miami, Eric Spolster may be the third or fourth best coach ever. He's out coaching this guy who's got, he's a temporary guy, I think, even though I think they signed him. Yeah. But, you see, I'm a little different than you or the younger crowd. The younger crowd wants Miami to lose. I can't. I love it because of my age, Boston losing. And I'll tell you, Jason Tatum's again disappearing in the fourth quarter. But I give a lot of credit. Jimmy Butler plays almost Jordan-esque in the playoffs. It's amazing how good he is. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't go that high, Spike, but I understand the point. Thanks for the phone call. Um, yeah, I mean, he does hit a different level, and uh, to see him do that, you know, the reaction after uh, the little, uh, you know, get-together last night with the Celtics and Jimmy, like, kind of laughing it off and, the, <laughs> and hitting another level uh, is not surprising. But uh, what the... It's hard for me, and in, uh, under perfect circumstances, yeah, I would not want the Heat to win. I would not want them just because the whole Pat Riley factor and the fact that they beat us and all that type of stuff. But no, I can never root for Boston for anything. And and there's 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 kind of like a respect that I have. You have to have for Jimmy Butler doing what he's doing. Uh, I'm not saying that he's a, a likable guy, but there there is a re- there is a respect for what that guy is able to do. And the fact of that the ESPN analytics department, I don't know who makes that up, said that the Heat had a 3% chance of winning the series before the series. Did anybody else see this? They put them at 3% chance. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I understand what goes into analytics. I don't understand uh, analytics or algorithms or logarithms. I basically, I, I barely even understand how my dishwasher works. But I know that if I come up with something with two professional teams – and it says that one team has a 3% chance of winning a game, a series, whatever, I know it's time to scrap whatever model I have putting those numbers together. There's no way that there's two professional teams that are going into any kind of matchup and one only has a 3% chance of winning that matchup. That's ridiculous. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. More of your phone calls next. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. 
This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. To uh, Ray is in Brooklyn. Ray, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon. Good afternoon, buddy. How are you today? I'm good, Ray. What's going on? Awesome. Listen, I, I speak to you and Larry all the time, but listen, let me get this off my chest. Two okay. guys I don't want on the Knicks, Joel and B. So we agree there. I'll tell you why in just a second. The other guy is Damian Lillard. So as far as Damian Who Lillard. Who was the other guy? The guy, Damian Lillard. Oh, Damian Lillard. Okay. So, right. yes. And the reason why is because, look, these two guys have the best PR staff, in, like, I think in history because they don't take any accountability for, the, for being the lovable losers that they are. Lillard is 0-10. Gordon, did you know this? He's 0-10 in the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors. We killed James Harden. James Harden has an over 500 record against these guys with, with, with even less talent because Leonard, if you recall, was a running mate in the backcourt with McCullough. He had LaMarcus Aldridge for a year or two, and there was a debate. What's the better backcourt for about four or five years? Raging debate. Uh, the Golden State guys, Curry and Thompson, or Lillard and McCullough. So you can't say you didn't have any talent. You can't win one game by your damn self by mistake. I mean, per series, you should have had a minimum of three wins rather than zero. You should win one game per, ze- per series if you're that good, and that's being lenient. And as far as, um, you know, him being loyal, that's a fake narrative that people are buying into because he's a lovable loser and a media darling. He just doesn't want to go to the playoffs. He doesn't want it. his name of game time, which is – when is that, Gordon, exactly? Game 20 of the regular season? It ain't in the playoffs. He doesn't want that name to take a hit for his market, for marketability's sake. And, and same thing with Joel Embiid. The guy had no problem padding his stats in the regular season. He can't get out of the playoffs uh, out of the second round if his life depended on it. We killed Patrick Ewing who took it to two NBA finals. And that second time, he got hurt in the conference finals, or we might have beat uh, the Spurs that year. Every game was a nail-biter. We kill him. He's got big shots on his resume. And this guy does nothing. He takes no accountability. Look at Jalen Brunson, for example. Even when he shoots 10 for 20 from the field, he says, I suck. Joel Embiid, he'll shoot 5 for 18 and still says that it was uh, everybody else's fault. This is every year. And then he can't find the ball. Like it, it, like he does in the regular season, take your big ass to the top of the circle, run that pick and roll <laughs> like you do to pass your stats in the regular season. He was running from the ball late in the game in, in, in the playoffs. He's he would be marginally better than than, than Julius Randle. The guy scored twenty three a game in the playoffs at sixty percent of his regular season of output. I mean, he's terrible. I don't want this guy. In the regular season, he's all well and good. You know what I'm saying? He's a fake MVP. Joker is the real MVP. And I just can't – tell me what you think about that. Well, look, I don't think Embiid is going to be available. And, Ray, thanks for the phone call. Uh, you know, Damian Lillard, I, I, I'm, I don't feel like they've ever really built – you know, saying that you, you can't get past the Golden State Warriors over the, you know, the past decade or so or the past – yeah, the past decade or so, um, I don't know if that's really the slight you think it is. Uh, I don't think that they've ever really kind of put the team around him necessary to uh, advance there. Now, they've had a lot of first-round exits – I know that much for sure, but um, if Damian Lillard would have was available, uh, I think that that's one of the Knicks. I, I don't think it necessarily is the perfect fit, but it's one name that you'd have to you'd have to listen to. Even going into what would he be um, thirty two next year, thirty three next year? So 
Uh, that would be a little bit of an interesting fit there. But Embiid, I don't think, is going to be available. That, But that's the name that's popped up a lot. And I think that there are a lot of Nick fans. When you hear, it's almost like you hear a fresh name, right? We've been hearing about Damian Lillard for years. We've been hearing about Carl Anthony Towns for years. Embiid is not one you heard about before. So I think that there's more interest um, for Knicks fans think, oh, the possible, oh, we could add the MVP. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to be available. Uh, and I don't think that it would be one that the Knicks should pursue in terms of just the player. Take everything out of the equation. Uh, that would not be one that uh, if, if you're telling me at some point I have to go all in on a superstar, that's not one that I'm going all in on. That's just not what I'm going all in on. Just not reliable enough, and, and you brought it up. Playoff time, he's supposed to be the man, and um, that has not turned out to be the case. And, and where the Sixers go from here is going to be really one of the, the interesting stories of the offseason. Buddha is in the Bronx. Buddha, what's going on, my friend? Hey, what's going on, Gordon? You know, I wish I could dispute anything that Ray just said there, uh-huh. but dude was spot on. I mean, listen, that's one of the best calls I've heard in a minute. And, uh, you know, this is really great time for me as a sports fan. You know, I, I wonder if D'Agostino would take a case for, you know, a jilted, <laughs> a jilted <laughs> fan who's not getting <laughs> I mean, good God. The Sixers, the owner, is worrying about purchasing a football team and everything is imploding underneath him. You haven't heard a peep out of him. Uh, Yankees built for what? <laughs> the regular season, uh, not for the postseason. And, you know, the Jets have uh, Super Bowl Come on, Jets are going to have a big-time season. Did you hear? I, I'm predicting them to oh, yeah. go 15-2 and two this year. Have you heard? I heard about it, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> just tell that to the defensive coordinator who's not a head coach and uh, the offensive line that has been in a state of flux for the last eight years. But, you know, anyway. Um, I, listen, with the Embiid thing, you know, I, I, like I said, the last caller, Ray, he's spot on. The, the, the problem is with Embiid is two things. First thing is, you know, if he had a third of Allen Iverson's heart, you know, and, and, and he wasn't a passive aggressive, you know, I could latch on to him more. But besides that, I mean, the way the game is played now, the reason why Joker is better than him and the reason why the only two centers in the league who are, you know, scoring the way they're scoring, the league is different. But Joker passes, and he does a lot of different things. And he's a, he moves, he has motion, and he's clearly an A-type personality, not a B-type person like, like Embiid. But, you know, you spoke with Richard before, mm-hmm. and I just want to disagree with one thing you were saying. Okay. Uh, you know, the stuff about Rose and Fournier, listen, Rose is done. Anybody who thinks Rose can help anybody at this point, you know, you're not going to listen. He's done. He, he doesn't have anything left as a player. But with Fournier, and this is not to say Fournier is a good player. All you have to do, and this is where I feel like Tibbs says, you know, when they started winning the games again, you know, he's gotten off the hook a little bit. But, you know, to me, he has a ceiling as a coach. When you look at Duncan Robinson and you look at Shrews, if they were on the Knicks, they wouldn't be playing either. Neither one of them are a good defender. They try. They do the best they can. But coaching matters. It matters in all sports. And you see it was supposed to. The, the Celtics have a better team than the Heat. But Spolster has a better game plan, and he has all the players that are on that team buy into what he's talking about. So in turn, if Fournier was on the Heat, he'd be a productive player too. We can't let Tibbs off the off the hook with this stuff because you know with Tibbs, honestly, we all know it. He's gotten going to get you to a certain point as a coach, 
and it's not going to be any type of NBA championship. If they get a player via draft or somebody comes in, they're going to have to change the way that they run offense. He's too rigid. And, you know, look, look you know, he's one of those guys who say, look, no, 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 no bad feelings. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, we thank you for your service. But you've got us as far as you can take us. They're going to have to upgrade that coach, too, not just a player. It's evident. Well, look, Buddha, I will say this, uh, and thanks for the phone call. Uh, I would agree with you. I don't think Tibbs is a great coach because to be a great coach, you have to be able to take what you have and mold your system around the talent that you have. And that's not the kind of coach that Tibbs is. Tibbs has his way of doing things, and he's going to – if, if need be, he's going to stick the, the round peg into the square hole and, and make it work that way. He has one way forward, and it's his way, and it's, not, and it's clear Spolstra is much like the, uh, the old Don Shula line about he can take yours and, and beat his, and he can take his and beat yours. He is a great coach because he will take the talent that he's available, and he'll come up with a game plan based on that. So that is absolutely fair. But the idea – but see, that's the thing. The Knicks didn't have the ability to change coaches in the playoffs. They were going to have Tibbs no matter what. So if your argument is, yes, at some point they're going to have to make an upgrade, that Tibbs will take them so far, and if they're ever going to get over the mountain, it's going to be somebody else, I would agree with that. But the idea that, that Tibbs should have been using Evan Fournier in some way and that that would have changed the outcome of the Heat series either by inserting him into the series, even though he had not played since February, playing him down the stretch of a couple of games to get him ready for the, the possibility that he might have been a factor in the series. I just completely disagree with it. The series would have went the same way. And to, to suggest otherwise is completely revisionist history because there was not a single solitary person who called up this show or any show when the Knicks were closing down the, the regular season and getting ready for the playoffs or in the playoffs, saying, we need to play Evan Fournier just in case there's the possibility we need him come playoff time. Not a single person. Not in real time, and it's only been brought up after the fact. And to me, that's just that's completely revisionist history. You had the group you had. You had to win with them. You didn't. Way it goes. Evan Fournier would not have changed the equation. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. More your phone calls next. Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York.